Please support The Bar by like, subscribe, and sharing my casts. Follow my social media at Facebook, Instagram, Gab, Parlor, BitChute, YouTube, DLive, Twitch, CloutHub, and Rumble. Or join my subscribe star. Make a donation by clicking on the links on the description box. I am a listener-supported show, so any of the above is greatly appreciated. Help me grow and spread the truth since the mainstream media obviously does not want to support truth. All links are listed on the description box. God bless you and enjoy. Welcome to the Speak Uneasy, a safe space where cancel culture does not exist because we are in a different prohibition era. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Speak Uneasy and I am the bartender tonight. So we open up the show tonight with tonight's random read which comes of comes off the book of Micah uh, chapter 1 verse 1 through verse 10. The case of Jehovah against the house of Israel. The word of the Lord that came to Micah the Morishite in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is, and let the Lord be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place, and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains shall be molten under him, and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. For the transgression of Jacob is all this, and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Therefore I will make Samaria as an heap of the field, and as plantings of a vineyard. And I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley, and I will discover the foundations thereof. And all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces. And all the hires thereof shall be burned with the fire. And all the idols thereof will I lay desolate. For she gathered it of the hire of an harlot. And they shall return to the hire of an harlot. Therefore I will wail and howl. I will go stripped and naked. I will make a wailing like the dragons and mourning as the owls. For her wound is incurable, for it is come unto Judah. He is come unto the gate of my people. 
even to Jerusalem. Declare ye it not at Gath. Weep ye not at all. In the house of Aphra, roll thyself in the dust. Once again, that read comes off the book of Micah, chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 10, the case of Jehovah against the house of Israel. Now, as I read that verse, the message that I'm getting from God here is that it's a warning. It's a warning that things are to come in a very serious manner as he came before with the flood during Noah's time. I honestly think that God will return with Jesus as fire. So the times that we're living in right now with everything that's going around the world, it's very, to me, it's very biblical. So we, I think, I think I'm going to heed that as a warning. You can interpret it to whatever you think God is communicating to you. But in a nutshell, this is very self-explanatory. It's pretty much a warning. So that's my take on tonight's random read. So for tonight's cocktail, I have something simple that I'm making as I am not in my normal spot where I usually do my podcast. I don't have all my supplies with me. Um, so I decided, you know, since I've done, I did a coffee cocktail last episode, I'm going to do another coffee cocktail this episode and we are already we're 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 coming into um the cold season so why not make a coffee cocktail and warm yourself up not only with the temperature of the drink but also the feeling you get as you drink your cocktail so tonight i i've made myself already a uh an irish cream or not irish cream but an irish coffee so it's a very simple thing to make. It you use Irish uh, Irish whiskey. You use two ounces of Irish whiskey, and you put in about four ounces uh, of uh, coffee, hot coffee, um, and you top it off with uh, heavy cream. It's optional for you to use sugar, a cube of sugar or two, whatever you want. It's it's optional for me. I prefer drinking my coffee just straight up with no sugar so um i've already already made my cocktail and i'll give a brief history on the cocktail and let us look at the screen and says see what it says here okay so this article comes from um coffee or die.com and i think they're related to um black rifle coffee if you guys haven't had Black Rifle Coffee, go and support those guys. Veterans, good coffee. It's a veteran-owned company, so, you know, uh, shouts to them for doing what they do on a, uh, literally speaking, daily grind, if you know what I'm saying. So this article comes from, again, uh, coffeeordie.com, and it says a brief history of Irish coffee and how it came to the U.S., and this is by Matt Freitas, and this was written in November 24th, 2020. Article reads, Ireland was a neutral country during World War II. Even though its military wasn't involved in armed conflict during the Civil War, an estimated 12,000 Irish soldiers, excuse me, 
excuse me as I move a little bit things here on the desk. Uh, an estimated 12,000 Irish soldiers volunteered to serve under the British and fight alongside those troops. Neutral countries also provided opportunities. For example, Stockholm in Sweden infamously became known as the City of Spies because of frequent espionage activity. In Ireland's case, the flying boat base at Foynes on the country's coast, uh, country's west coast, was a major port that also served as one of the largest civilian airports in Europe at the time. Military personnel, civilians, and even royalty traveled abroad, aboard, I'm sorry, aboard luxury transatlantic seaplanes and landed on the Shannon River's water, water runway. It wasn't unusual for passengers to be traveling in and out of the in and out of Foynes using fake names and fake passports. All military personnel were required to wear civilian attire, but those rules were later relaxed. Who were we who are we neutral against became the running joke among the employees. The flying boats at Foynes later earned fame for transporting refugees escaping from war-torn Europe. The refugees would board a seaplane in neutral Lisbon, Portugal, fly to Foynes, Ireland, and purchase a ticket for America where they would begin a new life. Since the layovers were particularly long due to operational reasons, mechanical delays, or weather, Foynes modified its amenities to make travelers from all over the world feel welcome. When Brendan O'Regan was appointed catering comptroller in 1943, he opened a restaurant and coffee shop in the Foynes Terminal Building. O'Regan added Irish decor and employed a well-educated staff to give the impression of strong Irish ideals. He hired a chef named Joe Sheridan to run the kitchen. In the weather of 1943, a pilot on a flight to New York flew through several hours of bad weather and decided to run to Foyne, return to Foynes to wait for the weather to pass. The control center received a Morse code message to prepare for their arrival. Sheridan was asked to make something warm for the cold and unsettled passengers. He prepared black coffee with an added twist. One traveler thanked Sheridan for his delicious cup of joe and questioned whether he had used Brazilian coffee. No, it was Irish coffee, Sheridan exclaimed. <laughs> I can see that already. I bet he said that with a smile. He added a dash of Irish whiskey to warm them up. <laughs> and that's definitely what it does. Although Foyne's flying boat base shut down in 1945, Sheridan and his staff brought the Irish coffee recipe to what would become Shannon Airport in Rhinana. Stan De La Plain, a travel writer from the San Francisco Chronicle, passed through the airport in 1951 and tasted Irish coffee for the first time. De La Plain had won the Pulitzer Prize for reporting in 1942. But he's perhaps one, oh, I'm sorry, but he's perhaps most famous for 
bringing the Irish coffee to America. When he returned to San Francisco, he told his friend and owner of the Buena Vista Cafe, Jack Culper, Col Copler, Copler, about the new drink. They couldn't at first replicate the same Irish coffee that Sheridan had produced. After further research, they recruited the mayor of San Francisco, who happened to also be a prominent dairy farmer, to address their problem. <laughs> That's funny. They couldn't get the cream to float. The mayor came up with a solution for the perfect froth. In 1952, Copler offered Sheridan a job in the U.S., which he immigrated from Ireland to accept. On average, the Buena Vista Cafe produces 2,000 Irish cream, Irish coffees per day. Wow. What? Per day? Wow. The Irish coffee didn't leave Ireland entirely. The original recipe can still be enjoyed where it developed at the Irish Coffee Lounge at the Foynes Flying Boat Museum. The original five-step recipe is as follows. Perhaps a coffee mug or glass with boiling water. Then empty it. One teaspoon of brown sugar and a good measure of Irish, in quotes, good measure of Irish whiskey. Then fill the mug or glass with strong black coffee, leaving a third to half an inch of space at the brim. Gently pour lightly whipped cream over the black of a spoon so it floats. It's important not to stir after adding the cream because the best coffee and whiskey flavor is tasted through the cream. And I attest to that. Now that you know the history of Irish coffee, you know it's not just for St. Patrick's Day. These simple and delicious ingredients will warm you up any time of the year, as it has for decades for countless others. So that article came from Coffee or Die, and it was written by Matt Fraudas in November 24th, 2020. Shouts out to these guys, man. They, This coffee company, um, Black Rifle Coffee, I... I subscribe to these guys and get coffee every so how many months that I subscribe to. And, you know, I have to give it to them. These veterans grind it up, literally grind it up. So I want to say thank you to those guys. So um, let me take a sip of the Irish coffee that I made. Here we go. Yes, yes. Warm coffee, temperature-wise, goes down warm. It, it's from the, the the warmth from the uh, from the Irish whiskey. So there it is, Slanjava. And on with the show we go. So today we are going to talk about this thing called the Great Reset, which the pretty much the UN has planned for the whole world. And if Biden wins this presidency, I can see this coming into fruition here in this country. So listen to what I have, what, what kind of information I have as far as what the Great Reset is, if you don't know what it is. Um, you might want to listen, give it a listen. Like after I read this article and if you, you know, you can go ahead and do more research into it. But this is a very interesting thing that you 
probably want to hear about. So I got an art article here by um, Waking Times, and this was written back in October 28th, 2020 by Dr. Uh, Marcola Guest, okay? And the title reads, What You Need to Know About the Great Reset. By now, you've probably started hearing world leaders speak of the Great Reset, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, and the call to build better, build back better. One example among many of this speech by Matt Hancock, British Prime Minister for Digital Culture, Media, and Sport, given during an all-party parliamentary group meeting on the Fourth Industrial Revolution in 2017. One of the roles of Parliament is to coast, cast ahead and tackle the great challenges of our time. The nature of the technologies is materially different to what has come before. In the past, we've thought of consumption as a one-off and capital investment as additive. Yet put resources into the networks that now connect half the world or into AI. And the effects are, are exponential. I'm delighted to speak alongside so many impressive colleagues who really understand this and alongside Professor Klaus Schwab, who literally wrote the book on the fourth industrial revolution. Okay, uh, a pause from the article. I want you people to remember this name, Klaus Schwab. Okay, Klaus Schwab. Remember that name because I'm going to get into this clown. Okay. Now, continuing on the article, your work bringing together as you do all the best minds on the planet has informed what we are doing. Our digital strategy embedded within the wider industrial strategy sets out the seven pillars on which we can build our success. An inside that fits our 5G strategy, like a set of Russian dolls. Our strategy covers infrastructure skills, rules, and ethics of big data use. Cybersecurity supporting the tech sector, the digitization of industry, and digitization of government. What is the Great Reset? But what do the terms Great Reset, Fourth Industrial Revolution, and Build Back Better actually mean? What do they refer to? In the October 16, 2020 Corbet report above, journalist um, James Corbet breaks down the new social contract planned for the world, otherwise known as, you've guessed it, in quotes, the Great Reset. The Great Reset not only ties you to it through an electric, electronic ID linked to your bank account and health records, but even gives you a social credit ID that can run every facet of your life. Sounds like communist China, people. Sounds like communist China. That's what they have already. While the current uh, I'm sorry. While the current pandemic is being used as a justification for the movement, the agenda has nothing to do with health, and everything to do with long, to do with a long-term plan to monitor and control the world through technical surveillance. In other words, 
the world be, will be reset to depend on digital techn technocracy run by self-appointed elitists. It's a power grab of unprecedented magnitude and involves the restructuring of social classes to dismantle democracy, erase national borders and follow for the great I'm sorry, follow and allow for the governing of communities from a distance by a group of unelected leaders. What was in the past referred to as the New World Order is now known as the Great Reset. Ooh, a renaming with the same concept. This Great Reset not only ties you to it through an electronic ID linked to your bank account and health records, but even gives you a social credit ID that can run every facet of your life. This isn't lofty conspiracy theory. It's real. It's happening right now. And you need to know how to fight it before it's too late. Ultimately, it's a technocratic agenda that seeks to integrate mankind into a technological surveillance apparatus overseen by powerful artificial intelligence. Ironically, while the plan is to usher in a tech-driven dystopia free of de democratic controls, they speak of this plan as a way to bring us back into harmony with nature. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I really am not buying this. If you're unfamiliar with the term technocracy, be sure to go back and listen to my interview with Patrick Wood, author of Tech Technocracy Rising, The Trojan Horse of Global Transformation and Technocracy, The Hard War, I'm sorry, The Hard Road to World Order. You can also learn more on Wood's website technocracy.news. In a nutshell, technocracy is an economic system of resource allocating that resolves around technology in particularly in particular artificial intelligence digital surveillance and big data collection i really don't like this this is really like invasive in my privacy and the digitization of industry which includes banking and government which in turn allows for the automation of social engineering and social rule thereby doing away with the need for elected government of uh, leaders. Your guide to the Great Reset. According to the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset will address the need for more fair, sustainable, and resilient future, and a, social, and a new social contract centered on human dignity. Social justice and where societal progress does not fall behind economic development. And what is the World Economic Forum? It's an international organization for public-private corporations corporation that engages the foremost political, business, cultural, and other leaders of society to shape globe, global, regional, and industry agendas. The founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum is Professor Klaus Schwab, who, as mentioned by Hancock in his 2017 speech, wrote the book on the Fourth Industrial Revolution. 
Schwab announced the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Initiative in June 2020. In his report, Corbet summarizes the Great Reset thus. At base, the Great Reset is nothing more and nothing less than a great propaganda, marketing rollout campaign for a new brand that the would-be global elite are trying to shove down the public's throats. It's just a fresh coat of lipstick on a very old pig. This is the new world order. Just redefine. It's just a new label for it. And that's what I said. And as explained by Corbet, for those who forget about what the new world order was, is all about, it was all about centralization of control into fewer hands, globalization and transformation of society through Orwellian surveillance technologies. In other words, it's technocracy where we the people know nothing about the run ruling elite while every aspect of our lives is surveilled, tracked, and manipulated for their gain. Four key takeaways and for, and from takeaways from Corbet's research into the Great Reset are number one, the Great Reset has nothing to do with a virus. The Charlie Victor one ninth pandemic or anything else related to public health. The Great Reset is coordinated is a coordinated agenda that has been years in the making. The pandemic is simply being used as a covenant cover for an elitist globalist agenda that has been planned for decades. Yes. Yes, this the whole concept of the UN was pretty much based on one world government. So do research on that people. Number three, the Great Reset is not the end of globalization. On the contrary, <laughs> it is globalization turbocharged, as noted by Schwab in the policy book, Charlie Victor 1-9, The Great Reset, co-written with Thierry Malloray and cited in Corbet's report. If no one power can enforce order, our world will suffer from a global order deficit. Unless individual nations and international organizations succeed in finding solutions to better collaborate at the global level, we risk entering an age of entropy in which retrenchment, fragmentation, anger, and parochialism, parochialism will increasingly define our global landscape making it less intelligible and more disorderly. In other words, there's no room for the spontaneously arising social order that occurs when people are allowed to freely interact. Instead, there must be one power to enforce whatever the desired social, environmental, economic, geopolitical order is. It sounds like total control to me, to be honest. Just uh, renamed. Number four, this process is not meant to end. The end of the pandemic will not be the end of this totalitarian digital enslavement agenda. This is this plan. Wait, the plan is not to reset the world back to some earlier state that will allow us to 
start over with a cleaner environment and more equitable social structures, the plan is to circumvent democracy and shift global governance into the hands of the few, as noted by Schwab in Charlie Victor 19, The Great Reset. When confronted with it, some industry leaders and senior executives may be tempted to equate reset with restart, hoping to go back to the old normal and restore what worked in the past. Traditions, tested procedures, and familiar ways of doing things, in short, a return to business as usual. This won't happen because it can't happen. For the most part, business as usual died from or at the very least was infected by Charlie Victor 1-9. It's funny how he wrote that or said that because those were in quotes. Charlie Victor 1-9 transformation map. What might the Great Reset transformation look like? As noted by Corbet, the following illustration created the release by the World Economic Forum shows the impact of the Charlie Victor 1-9 pandemic on virus or various aspects of life and how pandemic responses are transforming these areas. If you go to the original site for the illustration, you'll also find listings of publications, videos, and data relating to all these facets. Around the 25-minute mark, Corbet explains how you can use this map to get a feel for the scope of the transformation being prepared. Everything from finances, business, and education to healthcare, human rights, and global governance. Importantly, the pandemic is being used to destroy local economies around the world, which will then allow the World Economic Forum to come in and rescue, in quotes, debt-ridden countries. However, the price for this salvation is your personal freedom and liberty. The World Economic Forum and the central banks will, through their facilitated financial bailouts, be able to effectively control most countries in the world. And again, one of the aspects of the technocratic plan is to eliminate nation borders and nationalism in general. One world government, where a bunch of elitists... Um, and this is me just speaking. A bunch of elitists controlling our lives. This is all about control. This is all about control. Okay? If you haven't figured it out by this article by now, it's all about control. The Fourth Industrial Revolution. A related term to the Great Reset is the Fourth Industrial Revolution. This refers to the merging of digital, physical, and biological systems, as noted by Schwab. It doesn't change what we are doing, but it changes us. What they're talking about is the creation of a new economic system built around the merger of the human body and minds with machine and artificial intelligence. Would you look at that? So my podcast last week was about transhumanism, which, which means that they wanted to merge humans with machine. Isn't it funny how everything connects? It's funny, isn't it? So just make note that everything that I'm like telling you guys in this cast, it's all related in one way. In other words, technocracy 
a resource-based economic system with centralized control by a technocratic elite who have the know-how to program the computer systems will ultimately dictate the lives of everybody, everyone. Of course, it's sold to us as a means of harness to elevate human potential when in fact it will do the complete opposite. It will enslave us. Ultimately, they're not just trying to change the definition of what it means to be human. They're openly conspiring to alter humanity through te technological means. In addition to the sources cited earlier, Corbet also fleshed out the history of technocracy in his December 28, 2015 report, How Big Oil Conquered the World. In short, the fourth industrial revolution is nothing but a rebranding of technocracy melted with the transhumanist movement. Ooh, would you look at that? Look at here, look at here. You can also learn more about Schwab, that clown, the figurehead of modern technocracy by reading the June 29, 2020 technocracy.news article, The Elite Technocrats Behind the Global Great Reset, and the October 12, 2020 Off-Guardian article, Klaus Schwab and His Great Fascist Reset. According to Off-Guardian, Schwab ensures us that smart big data technologies will deliver new and innovative ways to service citizens and customers and we will have to stop objecting to businesses profiting from harnessing and selling information about every aspect of our personal lives. In that article, Schwab is also quoting as saying establishing trust in the data and algorithms used to make decisions will be vital, which about sums up the technocratic view of government. Okay, I'm going to take a break right now because reading this is, it's really making me kind of sick. So um, I'm going to take a break and I'll be back. And welcome back from the break. As we continue this article, Okay, coronavirus circuit breaker. In some parts of the world, the second wave of Charlie Victor 1-9 is reportedly emerging, and according to some researchers, the best way to combat it is to implement another round of more stringent lockdown measures. A so-called circuit breaker strategy to bring the infection rate under control. Meanwhile, other reports warn that while Charlie Victor 1-9 can be deadly for a small minority of people, so are lockdowns. Thanks to the poverty, famine, and mental health challenges they bring about. Lockdowns are a failed experiment. According to an October 13, 2020 article in The Sun, uh, COVID-19 restrictions could hurl 90 million into extreme poverty with the poorest nations bearing the brunt of the economic collapse. The New York Post also recently reported that Charlie Victor 19 lockdowns were a risky experiment that failed and had proven deadlier than the virus itself. And I concur with that. I really do. 
No ethical scientist would conduct such a risky experiment without carefully considering the dangers and monitoring the results, which have turned out to be dismissal. Uh, dismal. I'm sorry. The New York Post writes, While the economic and social harms have been in enormous, and it's clear, it isn't clear... <laughs> that the lockdowns have brought significant health benefits beyond what was achieved by people's voluntary social distancing and other actions. Excuse me, I will take a sip. While the economic and... Oh, I already wrote that, read that part. In a comparison of 50 countries, a team led by Rabel Chaudhry of the University of Toronto found that Charlie Victor 19 was deadlier in places with older populations and higher rates of obesity like the United States but the moral mortality rate was no lower in countries that closed their borders or enforced their enforced full lockdowns after analyzing 23 countries and 25 United States with widely varying policies Andrew Atkinson of UCLA and fellow economists found that the morality, mortality trend was similar everywhere once the disease took hold. The majority, I'm sorry, the number of daily deaths rose rapidly for 20 to 30 days, then fell rapidly. The cost-benefit rationale became... I'm sorry, becomes even bleaker if you use the standard metric for determining whether a drug or other intervention is worthwhile. How much money will society spend for each year of life being saved? By that metric, the lockdowns must be the most cost effect in the most cost ineffective intervention in the history of public health. Because so many of the intended beneficiaries are near the end of life. In America, nearly 80% of Charlie Victor 19 victims have been over 65. And more than 40% were living in nursing homes, where the median life expectancy after admission is just 5 months. No one wants to hasten the demise of, er of the elderly. But they and other vulnerable people can be shielded without shutting down the rest of, of the society, as Sweden and other countries have demonstrated. Early in the pandemic, Scott Atlas at the Hoover Institution and researchers at Swansea, Swansea University independently calculated that the lockdowns would ultimately cost more years of life than Charlie Victor 19 in the United States and Britain, and the toll seems certain to be worse in poor countries. The World Bank estimates that the Charlie 19, I'm sorry, Charlie Victor recession could push 60 million people into extreme poverty, which inevitably means more disease than death. The cure is worse than the disease. We're also seeing reports that unexplained excess deaths at home are outpacing Charlie Victor 19 deaths by nearly 900%, like the 
likely due to people with chronic illnesses avoiding medical care. Unfortunately, physicians and scientists continue to butt heads when it comes to the sanest path forward. As noted in an October 6, 2020 article in The Conversation, whether or not the coronavirus cure is worse than the disease has become the most divisive question of 2020. The dozens of doctors signing on to one side or the other. A recent Kaiser Health News story, uh, Health News story, also highlights the impact of pandemic stress on public health, as more and more people are reporting problems raging from insomnia and excruciating headaches to hair loss and cracked teeth. Throughout the pandemic, people who never had the coronavirus have been reporting a host of seemingly unrelated symptoms, excruciating headaches, episodes of loss of hair loss, upset stomach for weeks on end, sudden outbreaks of shingles, and flare-ups of autoimmune disorders. The dis- disparate symptoms often in otherwise healthy individuals have puzzled doctors and patients alike, sometimes resulting in a series of visiting or visits to specialists with few answers. But it turns out there's a common thread among many of these conditions, one that has been months in the making, chronic stress. And I totally, I totally agree with this. I mean, I'm nobody, I'm not a medical professional, but it only makes sense when the body is stressed, things happen. And this is, this whole thing has been adding on to people's stress. Although people often underestimate the influence of the mind on the body, a growing catalog of research shows that high levels of stress over an extended time can drastically alter physical function and affect nearly every organ in the system. Yes, I agree. I agree. I, I used to have stomach problems because of stress from work and other things. So I definitely agree with this. Now, at least eight months into the pandemic, alongside a divisive uh, divisive election cycle and a ra- racial unrest, those effects are showing up in a variety of symptoms. The mental health component of Charlie Victor is starting to come like a tsunami, said Dr. Jennifer Love, a California-based psychiatrist. The Charlie Victor fraud. As detailed in Charlie Victor fraud scandal, the biggest fight has just begun. An international network of legal experts and health professionals are preparing to launch the largest class action lawsuit in history against all those responsible for the global lockdowns, from local policymakers to the World Health Organization and everyone in between. According to the four attorneys who have who founded the German Corona Extra Parliamentary Inquiry Committee, which is a leading which is leading the tort case, the Charlie Victor one nine pandemic is probably the greatest crime against humanity ever committed. <laughs> you think? Pandemic measures were intended to sow panic in order to allow for a massive transfer of wealth. And fraudulent testing has been used to keep the ruse going. 
man, <laughs> I saw this day one. I knew it was all BS. In reality, morality statistics reveal Charlie Victor 19 has not led to an excess of deaths above the annual norm. The proposed action says, and there's no evidence lockdowns and economic shutdowns have produced favorable results. While the Corona Extra Parliamentary Inquiry Committee hasn't specifically addressed the pandemic as a vehicle for a technocratic revolution, it highlights that it, it has been fraudulently used as a means for wealth transfer and elimination of basic human rights. Wow. Okay. Because this this falls into place of everything that I thought. So it's validating my thoughts here uh, when this first happened. As noted in the June 29, 2020 Technocracy.news article, the elite technocrats behind the global Great Reset, the UN Agenda 2030, with its sustainable development goals, is claimed to ensure peace and prosperity for people on and the planet. The actions are said to tackle poverty and hunger, bring better health and education, reduce inequalities, and save the oceans, forests, and the climate. Who can argue against such benevolent goals? But the promised utopia comes at a, with a price. It, sec, it sets shackles on our personal freedom. The leading partner of the United Nations Global Goals Project revealed the real technocratic agenda that lies behind the polished feel-good facade. It involves a plan to fully integrate mankind into technological surveillance apparatus overseen by a powerful AI. The current pandemic scare has been a perfect trigger to kickstart this nefarious agenda. The current Charlie Victor 19 crisis is seen by the World Economic Forum and its chairman, guess who, Klaus Schwab, as the perfect trigger to implement their grandiose technocratic plan. Big tech will come to rescue the world. This techno-fascist recipe will then in an utmost non-democratic fashion, without any public debate or skeptic inquiry, soon be integrated into the agenda of G20 and the European Union, relabeled as the Great, the Great Green Deal. Does that sound familiar to you guys with um, AOC? Does that sound familiar? Ask yourself that. Unsurprisingly. Klaus Schwab fails to mention his own and his cronies' role in creating this global economic mess in the first place, as it was foreseen with stunning accuracy in World Economic Forums and Bill Gates' Event 201, October 2019, and in the Rockefeller Foundation report scenarios for the future of technolo technology and international development in 2010. As I discuss in the global takeover is underway, technocracy is inherently a technological society run through social engineering and big tech censorship is part of part and parcel of this. In other words, a medical tyranny and censorship of anti-groupthink that 
has emerged during the pan this pandemic are un are an unavoidable element of the Great Reset. And if you think it's bad now, just wait till the whole system is brought fully online. The mere idea of dissent will become a thought of the past because your life, your health, educational and work opportunities, your finances, and your very identity will be so meshed with the automated technological infrastructure that any attempt to break free will, res will result in you being locked out or erased from the system, leaving you with no liability to no ability to learn, work, travel, or purchase anything. It sounds far-fetched, I know, but when you follow the technocratic plan to its inevitable end, it that's basically what you end up with. The warning signs are all around us. If we're willing to see them for what they actually are, the only question now is whether enough people are willing to resist it to make a difference. Once again, that article comes from Waking Times by Dr. Marcola Guest back in October 28th of this year. Oh, wow, that was such a long article. Okay, that was a lot of information, but there was a lot of good information on that. So as I discussed on my last podcast about transhumanism, it validates that this whole thing with the Great Reset, they're going to try to mesh in people with, um, with machine. And it makes sense that if we integrate ourselves with machine, who's to say that people like these top elite people won't have control of us? You know, even with the whole um, social credit, this is already happening in China. Social crediting is happening in China. And if if your social credit is bad, you're erased. Like you can't do anything in life because of your bad social score. And my understanding is with the social score is, are you a good slave or are you a rebellious um are you somebody who's rebellious to what the government tells you to do or tells you what you can't do? It's basically control. And they want to give this to a, a, a small group of elites that we don't know anything about, but they know everything about us. So it's like the man in the curtain, uh, the man behind the curtain kind of thing. You know, when uh, in Wizard of Oz, when they all pulled the curtain back and saw one dude, this one weak guy trying to control everything it's kind of like that so in my opinion i think this is a bad thing i think this is all this is all about control it always has been and my suspicions were up ever since the beginning of this whole pandemic and the reason for that is because i've already i've i've been doing my truth researching ever since 2006 and everything that's built up to to everything that has been building up during my journey of truth seeking, I knew that this was the agenda. I knew. And I do know that this if this is not stopped, if if this is not stopped, we're done. This is this is the end of humanity right here. What I just read. What I just read is that's it. That's it. We we have no soul. We won't have anything. Nothing. 
nothing. Everything we work for is gone. We will own nothing. So I don't really, I don't see this as a, I don't see this as a good thing at all. This is, <laughs> this is communism at I don't I, was it two point <laughs> This is crazy. And they're gonna sell it to people, and people will be willing to accept because they're thinking that they're getting some kind of upgrade as a human being. And it really isn't an upgrade. It's a it's a way of them being able to control you even more and getting to know more about your your private life. I'm not with that. I'm not with that. So we are really we are really in times of um biblical times. And um we have to be more aware of what the agenda is for these things. The the great the great uh, what do you call that? The great reset, the green new deal. They make it seem like if you're not with it, you're against um the environmental issues and all that stuff they play that guilt game on you and that's how they get you or they they um they're very deceptive of how they sell these things they make it seem like it'll be an upgrade for you as far as you know health um health wise um and they're linking everything too. They're linking everything. I mean, why does your bank account have to be linked up with your with your health records? That doesn't make any sense to me. The only sense that it makes to me is that you want to control me. Well, once we give up ourselves, we sell our souls. That's basically what what it comes down to. They take away our souls. And when you have a soul, you have this thing about you where you fight because you don't you don't believe in being a slave and that's that's the that's what they call the spirit right the fighting spirit the fighting spirit comes from your soul who who what really makes who that the soul and the spirit is tr- is truly what makes you who you are okay um yes it's dna and all that stuff but when it comes to that that inner self that that makes you you that comes from your spirit that comes from your soul and without that you're easily controlled so that's one thing that we shouldn't we shouldn't give up because once we give into this that's it we're done the the small amount of people who know about things like this are going to be left to fight the fight is going to be a very difficult fight because people who are in the know and who agree that this is bad, we're going to be a minority of people. But we will have the will to fight. And my goal with this article today is to awaken you if you don't even know what the hell's going on. You, If you don't take my word for it, research it yourself. And I've always stressed this out. You need to do the research yourself because that's what makes us free thinkers. That is what makes us more critical thinkers. So we won't be taken for by anybody. Because believe me, the people trying to push this great reset, 
they have very like sugary words. They're very good with words. And it's for you to learn how to use discernment in what they're saying. Okay. <sighs> okay. So as I give my comments about that article, I have another article here, but I am going to save this article for another time because it delves into the man who's, who is the author of this great reset named Klaus Schwab. And I'll probably be, I'll probably talk about him in a few episodes down the road as we get closer to the following next year. And my understanding is they want to implement this next year. That's why they're pushing for Biden to become president because to be honest, it's the USA that's stopping the whole world from, from crumbling down. The U S United States of America is the beacon of freedom. And if we go, the whole world goes. The whole world goes. There would be nothing. We would be we would be controlled by the United Nations if if the United States fails at fighting for freedom. And I believe this is just strictly my belief. I believe that President Donald Trump is he has been he has been given the assignment by God to stop all this. That is my thought. And I believe that, I mean, if you've been paying attention with politics, you see what's going on. It's very, very obvious the the voting fraud that's going on. The lies that the mainstream media tells you is straight up lie. It's just, it's blatant. They're not hide. They're not trying to hide anything anymore. They are showing their ass. They are pretty much pulling their pants down, showing their ass to the world. And a lot of people are buying it hook, line, and sinker that it's 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 like Donald Trump is the bad man when he really isn't. Okay. If you don't get it by now, or if you refuse to even get it by now. You're part of, you're part of the problem. You really are. Your your hate runs so deep. It runs more deep. It's so selfish the hate the hate that people have for this man because they're not looking at the big picture of how how you know this election can it can either it can either pick up everybody or it can destroy everybody. Okay? I understand we're in divisive times right now, but you whatever side of the line you're on it is very important to find what the truth is and i believe like i said before that god has given the task for donald trump to become president to stop all this okay and is people like myself who who are out there trying to spread the truth we need to continue to do this so then we can help people understand what is really going on? Okay? This is like a big game game board. Okay? If you ever played board games, this is like a big game board. Uh, and it's on a whole new level because they are messing with a lot of... They're messing with our lives. Okay? 
And I don't know about you people out there, but I don't want to be played as a game. I'm, I have a life, I have a family, and that you know, it's not it's not a game. It's not a game. Okay. So, as I end tonight's podcast, I really want to make it clear that these times are very important to find the truth. And you got to do your own research. That's the goal of me. The goal of me is to, to have people do their own research. But at the same time, look, look, I know there's all types of religions out there, okay? But I believe that the Lord Almighty is the one and only God. And I really want to stir... I really want to stir a bunch of people towards his direction to establish a relationship. Okay? He is the true the, the truth. He is the creator. He has given us life. And that's that's a big thing. Like that's a big gift. Now it's up to us how we live our lives. It's up to us and how we can we can serve the Lord because honestly, this is all about serving the Lord. And as we serve the Lord, the Lord provides for us at the same time. It's a give and take. So pretty much the Lord is our boss and he will provide. And when he provides, he provides very well. As long as you give your life to God and look, I am not trying to force you into any type of religion, but I do want you to hear what I have to say. As I've experienced many things in my life that has validated that God is real. I'm hoping that you don't foresee things that happen to you spiritually and kind of blow them off. No, those are special moments for you. Those are the moments that you need to. Those are the moments that you really need to reflect on and find what the meaning is. And sometimes you can't come with a conclusion of what the meaning is. You know, um, sometimes experiences are unexplained and the only explanation is God. The only explanation is God. Now, I will take one more sip of my Irish coffee. I will say goodnight to you people. And as I say at the end of every podcast that being said the bar is now closed
Am I naive or can I believe That things are really as they seem Can anyone explain How to understand what's true I know I just can't tame it Whenever I'm with you I can't help but wonder If you wonder about me Cause lately I can't help but wonder How wonderful this might be Might be. 